If something terrible happens and you're unable to make your own medical decisions, who do you want to make them for you? And what kind of care do you want at the end of your life? I'm Gina DiPietro with Novant Health Healthy Headlines. Those two questions are at the center of a Novant Health program called Choices and Champions, which helps patients and care teams talk through important decisions. It encourages patients to choose a healthcare champion or the person who will stand in their corner when they can't speak up for themselves and think about other medical choices they may face in the future. End-of-life care is always top of mind for Dr. Colin McDonald, a neurohospitalist at Novant Health Forsyth Medical Center in Winston-Salem. It's true for his young patients as well as his older ones, the seriously ill along with the healthy ones. He cares for critically ill stroke patients and others with neurological injuries, including head trauma. For 28 years, Dr. McDonald has been leading these conversations. In this episode, he talks with Melody Myers about why it's important to have your care team document your choices in your medical record and to choose a champion to speak for you if you're not able to speak for yourself. So tell me about the Choices and Champions program at Novant Health and, and why it's important and how you've worked with it. So there are two very important things that any patient needs. And I really say that no matter how young or how old. One of them is to have a discussion with a trusted clinician who is able to document into the medical record what their desires and wants, what their loves and dislikes happen to be, what their life would be like if certain things uh, happen. And we call that choices or advanced care planning. And those are really notes that aren't uh, process-driven. Uh, most of the time they're uh, blank text that you type into a computer but they stand alone so people can see in October of 2020, Mrs. Smith had this attitude. And then you go forward from that and suppose Mrs. Smith in December of 2020 is now diagnosed uh, surprisingly and out of the blue with a very aggressive and widespread uh, cancer. At that particular point, Mrs. Smith's goals may have changed. So when we talk about goals in advanced care planning, it's meant to be a life story that evolves with the life and the health of the uh, patient. So that's one part of it. And that's supposing, and that's where you're right most of the time, uh, pre-hospitalization, that the patient is able to manifest, discuss, express what their choices are. However, as we all know, cardiopulmonary arrests happen out of the blue. Stroke-like events happen out of the blue. That's why we call them uh, strokes. And when those things happen, a patient is not typically in a place to have the conversation about what their choices are. And that's where the champion part comes in. You always look to the patient first, if the patient is able, to tell you what their desires, wants would be. But you also tell the patient there may come a moment, God decides, where you're not able to do that. What I know, because I may not be there, I'm just one of the whatever, 
several thousand doctors at Forsyth uh, Medical Center, Nova Until, I may not be there at that particular moment. What you need, you need a champion that really knows you, understands uh, this particular uh, conversation, and then understands knowing what they know about you, what they know about your goals and desire, they understand that in almost any circumstance, no matter how difficult, we're going to be able to figure out what you, Mrs. Smith, would want done in this unforeseen circumstance. So what do you tell a patient who might be reluctant to name a champion? I'll begin by saying um, I'm the champion for uh, my mom and dad, and I have been for uh, many, many years. And my mom was, uh, who's a registered nurse, she was the one that was reluctant years ago for me to become her champion because she thought it was almost uh, too much weight. And so what I told my mom back then, and what I think a lot of champions uh, really believe, there's no greater demonstration of confidence or love than you turning to someone that you love and trust so much and say, you are the keeper of my decisions when I am not able to make those decisions. And I think when you put it in those uh, terms, it's pretty often, and I would say even more than that, uh, most often the case uh, that uh, patients embrace that idea when they look at it that way. So what do you tell a family member who doesn't want to honor the champion named? Yep. And so let's first talk about uh, what do you do about a champion that's been asked and doesn't want to become the champion, kind of the reverse of uh, where we're uh, going here. What I tell them, and this is something that I had learned at the uh, Massachusetts General years and years and years ago, we called it the curse and the blessing. And the way we described it is uh, the blessing is that your mom, your dad, your friend has so much confidence in what you know about this person, let's say it's Mrs. Smith, that she has placed all the confidence in you. There can be no greater blessing than that. And then you actually have to go, hard Scottish on them after that and say, here's where the curse comes in. I would be asking Mrs. Smith if she was able to tell me. I never met Mrs. Smith when she would have been able to tell me. You were here representing Mrs. Smith, knowing what her wants and desires were. You can tell me all you know about her joys, her hobbies, her loves, etc., her fears. You can tell me all about that, and I can help guide you to what I think she would want, but I need to know a lot from you. And once you explain that to most champions, they're okay with it. They understand that it isn't uh, their choice. They're making a choice uh, in place of Mrs. Smith, who was unable to make that choice for herself. And That then gets to the other point, which I really don't see arise all that often. And that is, what happens if you have uh, uh, 
multiple family members, and one of them has been identified as the champion. And then there are some other children uh, in the mix or other friends, and they may disagree as far as direction of care. At the end of the day, the champion, if it is ascertained that that champion was rightfully made, meaning when the patient was in sound mind and possibly sound body, but certainly sound mind, and made that particular decision, and you ascertain the champion understands that they're making a decision based on Mrs. Smith's wishes, then it is pretty easy to discuss with family members, ladies and gentlemen, this is who mom, dad, whoever chose as her champion. This is the person we need to be guided with. And I really, over many, many years, have almost never run into conflict once you sort of let families know uh, that this was done with a lot of foresight on the part of the patient. How does a champion or advanced directive take the burden off of the family? People have very, very busy lives, and it is often the case that it is at that unforeseen moment that bad things happen to good people. When someone was totally not expecting, for instance, a stroke or a uh, cardiopulmonary arrest to befall them. And at that moment, you're able to tell the family, however uh, spread apart they are, and you may be doing it by Zoom conferences, there is a champion that has been identified. That champion is such and such. I have had extensive conversations with her. I truly, truly believe she is speaking on mom or dad or brother or sister's behalf. And it really does take the burden off uh, because a lot of times families are unaware uh, that mom or dad have identified a, a champion. So that comes as a surprise sometimes. But you know it's working well when the families realize, oh, that's the champion I know mom or dad would have uh, chosen. You take me through one of those conversations and just provide me with some insight on what that, that conversation was like. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll give you two examples. I'll give you a choice example, and then I'll also give you a champion example. So my favorite choice example is from... It's now because it was before the pandemic began. So it would have been probably fall of 2019. We had a 90-something incredibly active uh, woman come to the hospital, uh, never sick a day in her life, had played college uh, softball back in the 40s or whenever, just uh, the picture of health and came in with a non-disabling uh, stroke that was related to a severe blockage of one of her carotid arteries. And we've known, we've known since 1993 that fixing a carotid artery to prevent a bigger stroke down the road beats medicine every day of the week, not by a little bit, 
but a zillion, zillion miles. And so I remember this conversation with this 95-year-old when I knew what she needed. She had lived to 95. We know that the benefit of doing the operation will be fully realized if she happens to make it to 97. So she didn't have very far to go to really prove the benefit of the operation. And we got into this conversation and uh, she uh, was very, um, she was very bright and to the point. And uh, uh, when I was talking about the operation, she said, but Dr. McDonald, uh, don't you think your friends are going to be crazy when uh, you start talking about operating on a 95-year-old? And I said, some of them will, uh, but it isn't about the age. It is about the individual uh, patient. And I said, so what drives your day-to-day joy? What drives your day-to-day activities? And she said, Dr. McDonald, you know, I was uh, a college softball player. I love baseball. I love uh, uh, watching the Atlanta Braves every single game. Uh, That's what I live for. And I said, well, you know that if you had this operation, you would be much more likely to do that happily over the next several years than you didn't. And so she made the choice, which we all considered reasonable. I'll have the operation. The last time I heard from her, she sent me a note recently. Um, She's still doing great, and she's uh, looking. She was so happy the Atlanta Braves did so well, uh, almost getting to the World Series. But that's the kind of choice when it works, when you talk about loves and hobbies and stuff like that. Uh, And it wasn't about living two more years. Is what would you do over the next two years that would make you happy? As far as uh, tough choices, and I'll give you sort of a, a champion uh, choice. And that's why it's so important, uh, and I led with this a little while ago. That's why it's so important not to treat the advanced care plan or the choices as just a single inevitable moment in time. Uh, it goes back to this idea where uh, a patient had some clear choices back in October. They get diagnosed with a very bad cancer in December. No one has had a further conversation, and now it is late January, and the patient has come in with a disabling uh, brain injury. And you turn to the champion, and you say, what would she want done in this particular point? And this particular champion uh, really struggled because she said, we really haven't talked about it since this diagnosis of uh, this really bad cancer. She's still trying to uh, process uh, uh, those options. And yet there were opportunities to talk to the patient about it. And that would have been at doctor's visits when they began to uh, talk about this notion of an advanced cancer, does that change your goals? And so with that said, that's why I really impress on people that almost every encounter 
that a provider has with a patient is an opportunity to add to the advanced care planning or the choice uh, story. And with that said, everything worked out in the end. It just took a little bit longer to talk through to really get the champion to feel comfortable that she was speaking for the patient as well as uh, the patient knew anyone about what the patient would want to have done. And we came to the idea that the patient, if she was uh, healthy and hale, meaning no head injury and not looking to uh, several uh, weeks or months of rehab, not knowing what the outcome, if this was a short-lived problem, we get through it, and then she'd see if there's any uh, therapeutic options for the cancer. But once I explained that that isn't the outlook, that this is several months of rehab, because we're expecting we're really good at keeping people alive, we're expecting she's going to survive this, uh, several months of rehab, only God knows where things look several months from now. And once she heard that, she processed several months of that with this cancer treatment that may or may not be treatable on, uh, on hold. Where are we at this point? I know uh, this friend. It was not a relative. It was her closest friend. She had no family. She said, now I know what she would want to do. She w would want to focus on comfort and dignity. So are there any misconceptions around advanced directives that you find? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest misconception is it somehow means uh, do not treat and or do not care. And that isn't what it means at all. It means that are, there are going to be certain treatments that make no sense because they're not in keeping with the patient's uh, choices. It never means do not treat, because one of the most important things we as medical professionals do is that we offer caring, we offer comfort, we offer empathy, and we never stop uh, treating with those things, no matter what limits we put on medications, uh, machines, and monitors. Is there something people are surprised to learn when you have this conversation with them? Um, I think the most common uh, surprise for people is uh, them coming to the realization that they are making this choice almost as if they are channeling the patient, uh, as opposed to uh, what I would want uh, to have happen to me if uh, I was in this situation, or more to the point, what I would want because I selfishly, uh, and not selfish in a bad way, I selfishly love this person, and I don't want to see them uh, leave me. Uh, but those are, I think, the, the most surprising realizations, is that once you, uh, you get a champion past that, then all is good. And they realize this isn't about them, and that's why uh, the person that uh, wants the choices made picked them in the first place because they believe the choices aren't going to be made uh, based on the champion. They're going to be uh, made based on the patient. What did 
does your end of life plan look like? And so uh, there are uh, uh, things that I really enjoy. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy reading. I enjoy listening to music. I enjoy exercise. I enjoy uh, being with family. That's my architecture out there. If I were to be deprived of several of those uh, permanently, my champion understands uh, that that is no life that I would be feeling worth uh, living, and we would focus on uh, uh, comfort and uh, dignity. So that's what my plan looks like. And you just heard, what is it about? It's about goals, loves, and uh, desires. And once you sort of establish those goals, loves, and desires, it's easy to get to the specifics. Tina DePietro again. As Dr. McDonald explained, having these important conversations help you keep control of your medical care in the event of a serious injury or medical problem. It puts you in the driver's seat and takes the burden of guessing or deciding off your loved ones who may have no idea what you'd want. Through Choices and Champions, Novant Health provides planning tools, step-by-step guides, and personalized support from one of our Choices and Champions team members to ensure your decisions are known and can be honored. For more information, visit NovantHealth.org backslash Choices and Champions. Then share your wishes with your champion, those who matter most to you, and your care team. Thanks for listening to this episode of Healthy Headlines. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts. We post new episodes all the time. Most are just 15 minutes. Thank you for listening.